You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed. You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 This is A.G. Geiger Presents. I'm Michael Delgado, and my guest tonight is the artist Leslie Saar. Saar has been making captivating work, primarily paintings, since 1989, and soon joined her more famous mother, Betty Saar, and equally accomplished sister, Alison Saar, in a successful career that now finds her work in the collections of notable museums around the world, including the Kemper, MOCA, California African Museum, and the Auckland Art Museum, among others. Currently represented by the Walter Maciel Gallery in Los Angeles, Saar addresses the concepts of race, gender, mental health, and belonging in engaging narrative ways. I asked her about her most recent show, Conjuring Conjurers, which mines a rich vein of spirituality, magic, and mysticism that goes even further than the exquisitely crafted photo collages from 2019. Uh, yeah, well, each uh, time I do a show, I come up with a uh, specific theme. And uh, this last show that was at Walter Mayfield Gallery was uh, called The Conjuring of Conjurers. And um, that one was more sort of spiritual and about the occult and about magic or mysticism. But actually what had inspired the show was I'd read this book by um, yours, Carl Usman, uh, Araba, or Against the Grain, Against Nature. And um, when I finished reading, it's like, oh, I want to do a show about that. But that's about this sort of a aristocratic guy who retires from society and sets up his home, own sort of dream realm of the senseless type of house and uh, explores all of the arts and senses through, um, like, smell, taste, whatever, touch, vis-a-vis, uh, you know, art, literature, what have you. And um, because I'm kind of a hermit, too, you know, and I was sort of thinking about creating one's own reality, conjuring one's own reality. So you get an idea like that, like, okay, well, how am I going to present it? I'm not going to literally illustrate this book. Then I came up with this idea of conjuring because what he had done was, uh, this is an old book, it's like from <clears throat> the late uh, 1800s, but it was written before proof uh, in search of lost time. So, but it's mm. very, very detailed, beautifully written, really, really funny. Um, it doesn't really have much of a plot. It's this guy and how he centered on, on how he wanted to create this house and, and just have control of everything in it. So I thought, well, okay, so how can I do this that has relevance to, to me or even visually? And I came up with this idea of conjuring, and that that can have to do with creating your own reality or magic or conjurers that would go back to Africa and Haiti and New Orleans and voodoo and all of those kinds of things. So I just sort of latched onto that way of expressing the idea. And then um, in each – so it was sort of like the totems, these tall – characters are the conjurers conjuring this art but every piece of art is a portrait of someone and each person had their own little story their own little 
uh, expose about what their powers were or their experience or their mojo or what have you. So that's how that show came about. <laughs> if SARS approach sounds very cinematic in a sort of Guillermo del Toro sort of way, it is. It all comes across theatrically, like a play, but one in which the actors and their interactions are defined more by visual cues than dialogue. No, that's exactly what I had in mind. Um, yeah, I'm glad you saw that because I wanted to really group them together and kind of form this tableau, and though each piece could be, I guess, work within itself and sell by itself, but I wanted to create this kind of narrative in this story, exactly like a play or a tableau. And I was going back and forth with my dealer. He's like, well, people need to see them. And I'm like, yeah, you know, but I want them close together. And um, we sort of had a compromise, <laughs> you know. Right, wow. and, and you know, if it were a movie, I mean, you give you give us plenty of mo of movie for our money. I mean, the images and each uh, of the portraits are packed with, uh, you know, I guess they're symbols, you know, eggs and birds and snakes and scorpions. Uh -huh. But they also all of those have like varying interpretations depending on the spiritual heritage, right? Like snakes mean one thing mm -hmm. in the context, right. and quite another. Exactly. Right, depending on the culture, a snake can be a sign of the, um, initial evil or what have you, or it can be a sign of fertility in other cultures. And yeah, sort of what I did in this show was a combination of symbolism and surrealism. I've used surrealism in a lot of shows. It's my way of kind of questioning things, questioning notions like, as you said earlier, of um, race and normalcy and uh, gender and beauty and all of that kind of thing. And um, if you're juxtaposing objects or symbols in such a way that makes a person go, huh, and then they're reading or considering the context of the um, theme of this show, it's a way to get someone to question without me being counting someone on there with a hammer, you know. Prior to the Conjuring exhibition we've been discussing, Sar explored sexuality in a show called Gender Renaissance. The work was inspired by her experience with her son, who was not only transitioning, but was also neurologically atypical, what some term high-functioning autistic. Sar spent significant time supporting them through numerous doctor visits and surgeries. Sar's artwork in the end was not about trying to portray someone else's reality, but rather to present questions for the rest of us. So I felt I had a pretty first-hand idea of what it was like to transition. But at the same time, his concept of becoming a man, formerly a girl, was so different. Like, he likes to wear capes and still likes to knit or have his hair quite long. And I'm like, well, you can't get terribly upset if someone misgenders you. You're wearing cape, you know. That's his perception of what it is to be himself, and he considers himself a male. So in that show, I was just sort of questioning Gender, just not this whole idea of um, being trans, but with e even within trans and the fluidity of that and what is masculinity and what is femininity. And I just thought a good way of doing that is just throwing in images of nature. There's lots of birds' nests and eggs and flowers, and nature is natural, right? Like anyone trans is natural. And, but just supposing them with some odd thing that would just make you question well, is it masculinity or femininity or, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the, 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 
the work's fascinating that way because, as you say, you, you, it's not, you don't leave it necessarily open-ended, but you don't, you know, there, there's subtle, subtle, uh, it, it's left for subtle interpretation, I guess I would say. For some time in her career, Sars pieces have included decidedly Victorian or antebellum imagery. Many pieces include Victorian-era photographs, and others may evoke the era's clothing, fabrics, and frames. I asked her how she decided to center her work in this period. It's really interesting because I looked at things when I started doing painting, at least um, <clears throat> in the early 90s, you know, 1990, and um, I've always just sort of used that as a way of Presenting my portraits, number one is the antebellum period, anything between 1860 and later that is significant with regards to um, African-American history and colonization and all of that kind of thing. And it's also the time that you actually had photography, so you could see images of black people or any people. So, I mean, I, I don't predominantly do portraits of black people, but quite a few are the whole spectrum <laughs> you know, what it is to be black. And um, so there's that sort of truth, that reality there. And then there's a very gothic aspect to it. I'm pretty fond of the gothic aesthetic. And um, I also liked, I just sort of like aesthetically and for all those other reasons, that period. And then I try to take a current um, thing that's going on either in my life personally or something political or, uh, and I like to set it in the past kind of say, like, well, this has been going on a long time. Like, people didn't just all of a sudden become trans or there hasn't been a racial questioning just now. But I kind of like to set it in the past, sort of say that, that it's been going on for a long time. And also, I don't know, just by giving it a distance kind of is easier or my preferred way of getting a point across is less obvious, it's less that. I would do a very cheesy painting if I were to set it in the present and address being trans. It just wouldn't uh, mm -hmm. pull it off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's some yeah. added distance to it. Just like how someone likes to do a cartoon to get a point across. There's something sort of subtle about it. And um, first it might kind of have this alluring, melancholic, Victorian, Gothic aura to it, but I'm trying to say something that's politically happening now. Mm -hmm. Or so they are going on with me right now. It is very difficult to work with the past, since an audience will always bring a varying degree of understanding about that history. When I asked Sar if she tried to manage such expectations, she said that she did think about it, but that she couldn't be too obsessed with what someone might or might not take away from the work. And in that previous cinematic manner I mentioned, Sar is more interested in transporting her viewer back and forth in both time and scale. I like also a someone, at least for me, to get the feeling that I'm being transported, you know, and kind of a back and forth thing. I've done this series called Monad, where again, these uh, women were in these Victorian outfits floating around in, in space, um, and there's a very bright palette, more kind of neon almost palette, and mm -hmm. I sort of then this notion of as above, so below, or monad, which is this arc. And I did this reversal of scale. So they're floating around on these small planets, but these planets were actually um, mitochondrial or these sort of uh, biological 
illustrations of cells, and very minute, you know, but here they are floating in space in the universe. So it was from the macrocosm to the microcosm and that kind of thing. So I particularly wanted them to be in Victorian costumes. So it was sort of this time travel of past to the future and from the large scale to the small scale, this whole sort of blue bear say this kind of reversal of scales and time frames and it just I just like jumbling things up and making them complex and then the nature of the layer of um painting on the existing fabric and then adding other fabrics and I meant the multi layers um way the work are constructed with the materials and then with the ideas and then also with the imagery and the painting so SARS work is very rich in its layers, and this gives them the power to draw you in, seeking out a narrative, while being suspended in time and among various historical references. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Sar is part of a notable artistic family. Her mother, Betty, has recently been gaining long overdue institutional recognition with a show last year at LACMA, and has even more recently had her politically tinged work from the 80s being elevated among today's animated Black Lives Matter conversations. You're probably familiar with her gun-toting Aunt Jemima characters. And if not, you must check them out. Leslie also has a sister, Allison, who shows with the L.A. Louvre Gallery and is recognized worldwide in her own right. I thought it must be like being part of a family of amazing athletes, and I wondered if there was a sense of competition. When we were young... I mean, growing up, my mother was an artisan and teaching, but she didn't have the notoriety when I'm growing up. So we're all already grown when everyone's starting to get their reputations and such. And, um, you know, um, initially, I must say, because my father was also an artist, um, and he was more classically trained, you know, but I didn't major in art. I didn't. I felt it sort of would have shown a complete lack of imagination to do the same thing that most of my peers did. So I actually majored in uh, communications, radio, TV, film, and worked for a while at a radio station at KPFA in Berkeley. And I was really, really into it, you know. And that was just going to be my my future. I mean, it was great. It was great working there during the seventies and. All the radio shows we did, because that was the time of, um was a little after the Black Panthers, but I was doing one show once, and like Eldridge Cleaver and uh, Kathleen Cleaver, they showed up, and they're like, oh, they want to be on the air. It's like, okay. I mean, it was incredible. So that's what I was interested in. I wasn't really thinking about, oh, I need to become uh, any way uh, competitive with um, my mom or, or my sister. And so it wasn't until I was quite a bit older when I was pregnant with my um first child that I was sort of home anyway and I started making these books I started by making books but um so to the more present time as opposed to growing up um I don't really look at it as being in competition with them we all do something different my mother does assemblage and um you know mixed media collages and that kind of thing mm-hmm. Allison's more known for her sculpture just thematically there are things different I mean I think you can see a common thread you know it's not like one person just does minimalism or something sort of right, right. but I focus on painting and um, we're a really tight 
strong family, and uh, I have a, another sister, a younger sister, Tracy, and we all just get along really, really great. And there's just a lot of love. Well, I was hoping she would dish some dirt, but it's refreshing to hear about a functioning family these days. As Leslie mentioned, the SARS share a similar visual vocabulary, and a majority of Leslie's work includes images of black people, but not overtly political statements like an armed Aunt Jemima. I asked Leslie about her thoughts on the role of the artist, and specifically the artist of color, in the chaotic moment we find ourselves now. What can I actually say that's important? It's like, what, what is even the importance of art right now? And it just all seems so, I don't know, superficial and mm-hmm. arbitrary. And um, so I mean, really, I just took quite a, a standstill now, you know, I mean, I didn't want to do art about the COVID pandemic or anything. And yeah. I don't know that I can literally do an art about police brutality or these kinds of things. But I do think when this kind of stuff is going on, that I personally need some time for, for all the dust from first to tunnel and me to like really it always take a really, really long time before I decide what the next thing is. It has to be something personal, something that I feel is um, not necessarily unique to me, but something that would be a new story or a new way of presenting something to other people. It's sort of like this thing of like, well, where did you get the idea? It's not just because like I wanted to work with the color blue or something like that. It has to be something that is meaningful to me and personal and uh, so, yeah, I can do political things. I did a show about um, race and what is race and questioning that because I pretty much present as being white, but I consider myself to be black with my mother and my family and my upbringing and that kind of thing. So I did a show called Mulatto Nation, and um, I did uh, other shows sort of just about anomalies and kind of questioning what was normalcy and all of that. and. So I guess they're not political in that sense, maybe more cultural. So definitely what's going on now is more political. I don't quite know where my mind is going with all of this, you know. I'm not yeah. Well, I'll be very excited to see what Leslie comes up with as a theme after she ruminates on our historic moment. In the interim, I asked about a show scheduled for next year at the Craft Contemporary that will hopefully take place under more normalized conditions. I'm excited. I'm going to have a solo show at Contemporary Craft in the larger gallery upstairs. And I want to continue. I think for this show, I really can do the tableau uh, idea of placing individual works of art, maybe some more of the totem conjurer type figures with new banners and new paintings. And and instead of creating a story for each individual painting, I sort of do a narrative um, write a whole story for these groupings that I've made, these sort of plays or tableaus. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> That'll be in two years, sometime oh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I think unless you have something you want to rant on, um, <laughs> you have a bully pulpit. You can, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> no. no, thank <laughs> you very much for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. I did too. It was a real pleasure. Hopefully we'll see each other in real life soon. All right. Well, you be safe and uh, stay well. Yeah.
Uh, huh? Like it's hopefully we'll meet up soon. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guest tonight has been the amazing artist Leslie Saar. You can learn more about her and her work through her gallery's website, waltermaciegallery.com. That's Walter, M-A-C-I-E-L, gallery.com. Or you can Google Leslie Saar, and that's spelled L-E-Z-L-E-Y-S-A-A-R. You'll also find information about her artistic family, her mother Betty, and her sister Allison when you, when you do that. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel Music and Artist Management Company, Regime 72, and A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Please check out all our podcasts and our unique selection of books at aggeiger.com. Thanks for listening.